procedure, route, and protocol for mannerisms. The house of God has a way it ought to be done. The house of God has a way it ought to be operated. That thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave yourself. And I said the word behave simply means behave thyself is a phrase that means to be turned upside down. 180 degrees turn. To face where you were going, where you were backing rather, and to back where you were facing. This is the truth of the Holy Scriptures that there is a way things ought to be done. Look at 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and get this clear understanding concerning this. 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number are you still in church? 14 and 15. These things right I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Standard truth. Unbendable truth. You don't have to stay too long in this church to get to know this. As a matter of fact, this is what greets you. This is the, the air, the ambience that greets you. The ambience that greets you in church is this formidable front of the truth. The ambience that greets you in the church is this strong pillar shoulder, shoulder Book of truth such that without making any mistake you will know it looks like these people stand for something unbendable incontrovertible unchangeable indefatigable unerasable indelible true, strong, big formidable reliable and dependable it is called the truth the truth of Christ's death and resurrection. The truth of Christ's coming in the flesh. The truth of Christ's gift of eternal life to us. Second Corinthians 9 verse 15 says, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 18 says, In everything give thanks to God, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Something very paramount, very important to find in all the epistles of Paul is first and foremost he declares his call as divine and not human. Second, he gives thanks to God for the saving grace. Find these two things. Open in an address and say, I've not been called of man or of men. Very emphatic on this. And then number two, the man Paul will let people know that something has been wrought on their behalf. This is, this is great. Something has been done for you. Oh my Lord. So powerful. You are not cheap. You are not a victim. You are not somebody exclusively left in the devil's lunch bag. Pack or packet. You are a child of God. Born of the seed of victory. You lost your identity in God's divinity. You are a different person altogether. You are a new creature. The man that used to be you died in Christ's death. The man that used to be you died in Christ's death. The man that used to be you went to hell with Jesus. The man that used to be you gained the victory over death. The man that used to be you is now a new creature. Henceforth, no we no man after the flesh. I'm amazed. And I give thanks to the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to reality. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the truth. 
looks to me and see me told about that shit, he'll get what I'm saying. Most of you are so used to it. You say, ah, ah, ah. this guy is just, he's just, he has, he has memorized some of these things. He just says it just to psychos. Well, it's your choice to believe me or not. Over the years, I've preached this and many people have not believed. And those who have believed, have believed. And there is no way I can communicate God's word to you outside preaching the word of God. No other way. Even if it's going to be by action, it still has to be on the platform or the bedrock of God's word. Thank God for the word of truth that has never changed. It's Christmas Day, 25th of December, 2020. Regarded by some as the worst year ever. The worst year ever. I think this is going to be very subjective. It's going to be subjective if we conclude that 2020 has been the worst year ever. Maybe we should be relative. We should be relative and say the worst year. How? The worst year. How? And then we say the worst year for whom? You get what I'm saying? The worst year for who? Who, who exactly is in the photo? Folks became billionaires this year. Would we say this is the worst year for them? Would we say it's been the worst? Some folks who have been longing to get married got married this year. Some folks travel abroad for the first time this year. Some folks abroad who have been hiding, living with different names and labels because they have gone abroad by, by fraud eventually got freedom they got nationality abroad they got the blue card they, they are just excited so we should be relative relativity of whether it was good or bad has nothing it has nothing to do with the believer because the believer ought to rejoice lord always God has done something remarkable in your life and God expects you to rejoice at all times. He expects you to rejoice at all times. I have said the sudden statements Christ made are the very best super native. They are more than the ordinary. They are more than they are more than they are more than jokes. They are more than some books by moonlight. They are more than some traditional folklore, traditional fibs. Some statements he made. Some assertions for the gospel. Some things that ought to embolden your mind in livelihood are powerful that you find in the Bible. For instance, he says to you at 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16, rejoice evermore. Hey! Rejoice forever. You should never know down times or bad moods. You should never know foul emotions. Never ever. Jesus, by his death and resurrection, Sacrificial suffering that has brought reconciliation and atonement has put your life at an advantage and a, super, a supernatural edge where you will never ever be stranded or need anything again. How will this help? How will this confidently assure your mind, ladies and gentlemen? That in the mind of God and by bold declaration, by some emancipation proclamation declaration, God is saying, you are complete. God is saying, I am complete in him. Very amazing. If God Almighty who made the heavens and the earth, if God Almighty who is supreme and above, if God Almighty cannot be quantified or weighed, analyzed or rated, 
if God who is a spirit who has been before existence if God who is in the deathless past has been deathless eternal he is saying to me I am complete I'm excited you are complete in him who is the head of all possible rule and dominion ever. Hey! It is true. Except we are saying such statements are just by some drunk persons. You are compared in him. This simply means you should never be weighed down. Never be cast out, discouraged, discarded, or dejected. You are complete. You are complete in Him who is head of all possible authority and dominion. You can't walk with God except you believe what I just said. I'm not in this church trying to give you some high sounding words and excite you into giving some big offering. I'm telling you things you ought to believe and live by. Truth. Your truth. You gladly, gladly accept and adopt and imbibe into your thinking procedure. Truth. Your truth. See as vital a spiritual therapy for your existence. I am complete in Him. It will drowse, it will, it will drown, it will, it will drown your fears. For we all have fears and uncertainties and doubts without needing to pretend or to act over or super spiritual. We'll all have cases and issues we are struggling to grapple with. A loss, a lack, levity, some form of licentiousness. An insurmountable body, something that is burdening our minds, a physical need, a health need, and you are downcast. But this is not supposed to be the state of your mind anymore. Instead of lay hold and believing these things and allowing them to weigh you, I want you. To take God's word as superior. For faith in himself does not deny the fact. Faith does not deny. Faith accepts the fact and then considers God's word superior. The faith that denies the fact. Is presumption, assumption, or religious deceit. And it gets back to you because when the chips are laid down, you will know you are really in for serious crisis. But the faith of the word says, I know for sure this is my state. But I've come to realize the supremacy of the word of God. No wonder. The man Paul will say at 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 10, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Paul will say, look, the things I see, the things I'm feeling, what I'm going through, what I'm engaged in, what I'm struggling with, is sorrows inducing. A man of sorrows acquitted with grief. I rejoice always. It's a choice. Instead of bending your head and brooding and brewing sorrows, choose.
to rejoice. Choice. Instead of considering yourself a waste, a carcass of no use, an ordinary person without any meaningful triumph, any reasonable or sensible future, anything you can say is ever going to come out of your life, any significant achievement in life, brother, sister, think the victory of Jesus and say, I know him whom I have believed. I'm persuaded that what God has said concerning me far outweighs and beats to small my situations. making many rich as having nothing yet possessing all things so we walk by faith not by sight you don't allow things you see that are very important and vital and really your lives deter or destabilize your mind from having faith in God Almighty this is for real we are victors by nature. This is how to perpetrate, to preach, and to live Christianity. On the grounds of what God has asserted and declared and said and preached at us. Lord, I believe you are going to be run over emotionally. You are going to be overwhelmed by lack and needs. You're going to be rubbished in life with the hurricane blows of cumulative misfortune and disaster until you allow the joy of Christ bubble on the inside of you. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. The kingdom of God is righteousness. The kingdom of God is joy. The kingdom of God is peace. The kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Ghost. It says he that in these days Sabbath Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Romans 14 and verse 17. Rejoice in the Lord always. You will never ever know down times anymore because you have chosen to rejoice. 25th of December. I've always preached for years in this church what I have always titled Christ's or Christmas. Always, always. And when it's 31st of December through on to 1st of another year, January, January rather of another year, I've always preached what I've titled A Moment Not Enough. First and foremost, I preach that it's about Christ and not Christmas. They are two different things. They are two different things. The Christ faculty is spiritual and supernatural. All time, all season does not know festivities or non-festivities. Christmas is seasonal and sometimes it's bleak depending on how it is. So who has loved somebody who has just lost a loved one is surely going to have a bleak Christmas. Somebody who has just lost a wife, a husband, an only child, somebody who has just lost a good job. Some years ago on Unity Road, a banker was sacked some days to Christmas. Some days to Christmas, he just discovered he got to the office and wasn't able to log in onto the banking application. And he was surprised. He thought it was a network. He thought it was a network issue. Then he spoke to the other teller by his side. The person said, I think the network is okay here. He was still all over the place joking and then 
the human resource person in charge called him. The manager called him. Told him to get his belongings and get his things ready and then to leave the office. He would get back to him in months and he was sacked. A few days before Christmas, I think it was 24th, he committed suicide. So how would you say Christmas was interesting for him? If he had Christ, perhaps he would have been able to distinguish between Christ and Christmas. Is it possible there are people on the roads traveling because of Christmas who are being kidnapped right now? Is it possible? There's somebody who is traveling to Abuja right now. Possible? Between Okene and Lokja, robbers always unleash mayhem and kidnappers have a field day or feast. Is it possible there's somebody who is traveling for a Christmas celebration with family? He's been making all the millions at Abuja. He wants to come back to Kogi State to enjoy Christmas with his family he has not been with in one year. And then he's just kidnapped at Shara or Shara Junction. How will Christmas be to this person? But if Jesus were in this person's life, even in the den of the kidnappers, you know there's a difference between Christ and Christmas. Somebody told me one day, he said, this Christmas was the worst ever. I said, what happened to you? The person said, I had nothing to eat. Just red oil and gari. I did not say eba. Gari. There's a difference between eba and gari. There's a huge gap of difference between Christ and Christmas. Christ is supernatural. Christmas is religious and empty and frivolous. You need to hear some of those things I've preached about the years. Christ or Christmas. Then 31st I preach. 31st show first I preach. A moment not enough. And I say there's a clear difference between early nomenclature in reference to days and months and years and the seed of omnipotence we see in salvation. And that a cross from one year to the other is not as significant as the birth line of Christ. There are so many religious submissions and, sub, and submissions in, on, on our minds. Someone says, someone says, because my father just died, there will be a breakthrough in my life. Because I just lost an only child, God is going to build me a house. The reason why my marriage is unfruitful or non-productive or barren is because God is preparing my womb for the next president of America. Why do we have such religious taboos? Religious deceitful lies? Nothing stands you for God's blessedness you have received except Christ's death and resurrection. All those sentiments have nothing to do with Christ's grace. Sometimes we have sung a song in church. Very sonorous. Very emotions. Calling and creating song. And then we say, no, no, ask something. Ask God for a gift. Ask him for something. As though we have psyched him up to a frenzy where he lacks control of what he can give or what he does. And you ask him, ask him, ask him, ask him. Amen. No. It's more of a relationship than trying to loot, than trying to then trying to loot his treasury of benefit. All God will give, he has given you already in Christ. This is how to approach the Father. In your mind, all God will ever give, he has given you in Christ Jesus. I don't want to spend time today tracing the exact history of Christmas. But if you would ever, ever 
if you would ever ever think through on this there's a lot you need to learn from history about the very origin of Christmas Christmas which is supposed to be a celebration of Christ's birth means a lot globally Christmas in itself does not have a Christ origin Christmas does not have a Christ origin by the time you look at the details of Christmas in festivities in origin and in celebration you will see it's 180 degrees apart from the Christ's culture message and origin as a matter of fact in certain places the date is not 25th and the culture is anti-Christ in some parts of Rome the date is not 25th and it was a celebration of Bacchanalia the god of wine or intoxication in some parts of Palestine it's a day to punish a Jew as a victim who will be stripped naked and killed broad daylight by drunken adversaries several things about Christmas in itself the Christmas tree has nothing to do with Christ because every part of the Christmas tree is a cultic symbol the green depicts the demigod of fertility and the red depicts punishment violent bloodshed against Jews several things I leave you with the responsibility of searching through history thank God for the internet thank God for search engines the very origin of Christmas it's saddening I've never seen a believer who read the history of Christmas and its origin who had any out of excitement left I want to say something to you there is something going on today postmodern universalism universalism holds the strong view that there's no absolute truth in anything and that truth is purely determined by perspective universalism holds the view that the bible for example does not hold any absolute truth that there is no truth that is total and self-existent that is standalone but that truth is dependent on views and perception and that truth varies changes can be altered can even be debated and that truth can be abridged renewed or turned around this is not in concordance with the truth of the Bible. For the truth as revealed to us in the New Testament is not just a thing, it is a person. When we talk about absolute truth, we're not talking about a thing, we're talking about a person. And all he stands for all he came to do, all he accomplished will therefore be a manifestation of the truth. 
His appearance in the flesh. John 14 and verse 6, Jesus will say, I am the way. I am the truth. The truth of his coming in the flesh. Something that Christmas as a celebration or a festivity and I honestly have said to you not once, not twice in this church and in some other churches where I have had the privilege to preach 25th of December that it's not about the time of his birth because we could debate the time of his birth back and forth over the years and eventually arrive at a significant date. Whether we call it uh, March because we say shepherds, shepherds who the Bible claim were watching their flock by night at Luke 2 could not have been there at this moment because of um, Hamatan and that Jesus possibly was born around April which is when we have some shepherds watching their flock in some open place at Palestine he was born one day the debate can be back and forth and we say okay let's, let's eventually agree and there's some who are saying no 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 even till now some shepherds still watch their flock by night at some part of um, Palestine because these sheep have some strong fur on their bodies that will make them last the hammer time and the hostility of the weather. Whatever argument, he was born one day. Says, a virgin shall be with child being for the son, whose name shall be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Matthew chapter 1 from verse 23 on, which being interpreted is God with us. We, we know he was, he was born unto us. A child is born unto us. A son is given. Isaiah 9 and verse 6. The government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful. The Everlasting Father. So, if it's about his birth, Matthew 1 and verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. He was born one day. We, 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 we don't have to argue back and forth on the day of his birth. So, when I say Christmas is not ideal or is not scriptural or does not benefit you spiritually, I'm not saying let's change the date. Changing the date has nothing to do with celebrating it. I'm saying there is more to Christ than Christmas. Luke 1 verse 35, and the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born. So we agree with the congruence of truth and that Jesus was indeed born on a particular day. So, the, the, the there or the argument or the thing about Christmas is not the debatable concept of his death of birth. The main problem with Christmas is Christmas attempts to underplay on Christ's deity. Christ's deity, which is significantly important to the Christian faith. His deity. He's been God Almighty. Christ's deity. First, let me clear this. Because we've also had this back and forth argument even in the church concerning Christ's deity. We don't seem to agree that he is God Almighty. He is God Almighty. So, the point becomes how can the son of Mary born of a woman even if she was more virgin than being a virgin whatever you call it if she was purer in body outside of sexual intercourse a virgin more than all virgins on earth 
Mary was a woman. Mary was not an angel. So when we say his virginity, sorry, her virginity, that doesn't add up because she was still a woman. A woman that is a human being. How can Galatians 1 verse 4, for instance, says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman. Made under the law. How can this person made or born of a woman be God? There was a day in church I was preaching the deity of Christ. Well, I think I stumbled on it. And then I began to explain it. And I remember a brother in church sat down with his little boy in church. And the brother said, Sir, why is there controversy as to Christ's deity or his being almighty? And he, he pulled to him his little boy that was like less than two years old then and said, how can we say this boy is just me? He said, why don't you just consider it under the ground? He's my son. <laughs> and that makes sense because there was a gasp in the audience as though, yes, perfect. Full grown man with his little son. I said, this is a very wrong pictorial, very wrong graphic illustration of Christ's deity. The issue is not a son becoming God. You see, if you look at human religions, the idea of mainstream leaders of religions is a picture of perfectness. That is, a man is so obedient and so perfect to the point that God selects him as a leader of religious sect. Check all religions. There's something special, something strange about people, then they become God's choice and chosen servants. It was said that Mohammed used to have fits of epileptic seizures. You may wish to read the history of Mohammed. Listen and listen. Good. I did not say Mohammed was my friend and I saw him have epilepsy. I also read it off. A reliable resource material. Mohammed will always have epileptic seizures. And while he was having this, he will make utterances that sounded strange. So for very long they had sensed he was somebody under a spiritual spell that was for good. Just like there were several prophets in Israel that had lunatic lunatic manifestations who said several strange things not included in the Bible. What people always think of religious masters is they are near perfect, so God chooses them. For example, the Mohammedan will say that Mohammed is the best of human beings for which God can do anything. On the behalf of whom God can do anything. He's so great that his name is to be revered. Mohammed S-A-W His name is to be revered as a choice servant of God because of his goodness. Well, Mohammed's story of murders and brutal killings of evil relations do not come into consideration here, I think. Also, Mohammed high libido for promiscuity Randy Casanova attitudes do not come into such considerations, maybe. Now, this is not the same story, the same thing with Christ. 
We're not talking about a man who near perfectness calls himself God. This would be an impositor. This is where people don't get it right. It's not about Jesus becoming so good, so great, he turns to God. This is pride. This is extreme protuberating pride. When a man is so good, he's so nice, he's so miraculous, he just turns and says, I am God. Perhaps this is common today amidst pastors. Most pastors are deified. They are worshipped. They are revered. They are revered. They are revered. Imagine a pastor said, he has been anointed by God with the anointing upon Elijah, Elisha, Paul, and Jesus Christ, God Almighty, times two. That means he's God. Imagine one Jew, he said, if he curses a member of his church, to reverse such a course will require 30 days praying and fasting night and day. Who can do it? Before Jesus will appear to him to forgive. It means that if he curses you, God cannot reverse it. If God cannot reverse the cost by a man, then the man is God Almighty. I think this concept of being so magnified, so terrifying, so big you are worshipped, is the same thing we are thinking of Christ. And we are saying, the man is God, Joe. No! This is a very wrong and erroneous picture we are painting. This is why there is confusion. It's not about a man becoming God. This is impossible. Rather, it is about God manifested as a man. And this is what the Bible teaches us. And the word that was with God by whom all things were made, in whom was life, and the life was light of man, the light that shineth in darkness and darkness could not comprehend it. John 1, 1 to 5 became flesh. And verse 14, the word, the eternal revelation called God became flesh. So Jesus is not man becoming God. Jesus is God becoming flesh. His birth was not his origin. His birth was not his beginning. His birth was his beginning as the Savior born in the flesh. He has a deadless past without a beginning. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Says God was manifest in the flesh. He was sin of angels. He was justified in the spirit. He was preached unto the Gentiles. He was seen in the world, believed in the world, and received up to glory. So please, always think of it. Philippians 2 from verse 2 to 11 to 10. Two, two, Philippians 2, 2 to 10. Always think about it. It's not man becoming God is God becoming man. You see, Christmas and several other activities in the body of Christ make every attempt to reduce Christ to an ordinary man. For example, celebrating his birthday. The culture of church is very physical. The culture of church is so chocolatey and mundane that you can no longer see divine birth. You can't. You can't see divine birth of God becoming man in Christmas. You can't. It's not possible. You can only see 
the birth of a champion a religious master I told you in this church I read the story of a particular place where they had not had rain for years and the church community in this environment came together to pray that there will be rain and only one boy less than eight years old brought an umbrella for the program he clutched his umbrella and left his house excited very excited and they looked at him and said where are you going with the umbrella the man said the little boy said we're going to pray and I know there will be rain we're just going to pray are we expecting rain sometimes I doubt your prayers you know why I'm saying this to you because you don't pray with faith you don't pray with expectation you just pray you don't pray no it's time it's time it's time some years ago I said to myself I want to take the gospel of Christ abroad I said to myself it's time I want to go abroad I want to preach the gospel at some place at some place and then it occurred to me if you want to take the gospel abroad go get an international passport and I said to myself do I need it and I said to myself again if you don't need it then your desire is a lie and if you have prayed about it you are wasting your time If you are getting married this year, begin to gather your things from your parents and tell them, I am marrying this year. Where is the man? Forget about that one. I am marrying this year. I mean, begin to get set. You know how to get set now. Put your things in order. Get your kitchen utensils. Everything. Begin to pack it ready. I am marrying. If you are going abroad, go and get your passport. Now, now, now. I just rubbished all my thoughts. I said, this is wishful thinking. One month later, a man said to me, I have placed an invitation in your email, in your, in your electronic mailbox. I want you to come to Southern Africa on expenses paid. For my wedding, you will officiate. Then I will get to preach in two places. I said, wow! Wow! passport the man said why I said I, 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 oh God I began to try three months I didn't get the passport things were just touching Nigeria then I lost it after a while I had a notion again I'm going abroad this year I'm going to push the gospel then the thing occurred to me again you need a passport if you must go I said I will do it and then as usual I just let it go. Two months later, a man called me and said, all expenses paid. It was Dr. Fela Yohojo. He said, come for my wedding in USA. I said, why don't you get ready? Why are you not set for what you desire? Begin to pack your things. Begin to get yourself ready as a man of tomorrow in greatness. That tomorrow is just here now that we are going to show forth whom you are. Confidence. This little boy was at the prayer meeting with his umbrella. I read the story of another boy that was seven years old who was invited for a Christmas party by his grandmother the grandmother said okay little boy come here there's a Christmas party down the streets join them and the boy packaged a gift some pencils some crayons some eraser from his own collection he packaged it and got his suit ready with his bow tie 
seven years old boy and marched out of the house. And the grandmother noticed he was holding a gift and said to him, where are you going? And the boy said, for the party. The mother said, what party? She said, the Christmas party. And the grandmother said, what are you holding? And he said, it's a gift for the celebrant. Grandmother said, celebrant? Drop it out, what kind of thing? Just go there and eat and leave. And the guy said, it's, it's, it's ruinous, it's bad, it's wickedness, it's, it's bad to go for a party. Expect to eat so much and give nothing to the celebrant. The mother said, you won't understand. Drop it. Go. The boy said, no. The mother took the gift from him and hid it somewhere. The boy treacherously went to the next shop and bought the same set of gifts and packaged it on his way and he got there. And there was so much to eat and to drink and people were laughing and then the boy went to meet somebody in the lane and said, please, I want to see the celebrant. And he said, what celebrant? I want to see him or her. The boy was discouraged when he was told the celebrant has died a long time ago. I think we are celebrating outside Christ. Think about it. Let's think about it. At Christ's party, we are drinking alcohol. <laughs> the Lord of glory. And you say God is good. Hey! And you think it's about Christ. Because Christmas parties allow for anything. Christmas parties allow for anything. You need to be at some street carnivals today. Or 31st to 1st. Street carnivals. At Agboba. At um, Gakombi area. At airport. At Fate. At Basin. At Kulende Estate, at Songo, and on you. Street parties where boys will be dead drunk, women will be dead drunk celebrating Christ. Celebrating Christ. To let you know it's just mere hypocrisy, the celebrant here does not call the shots. To let you know it's mere hypocrisy, how can you celebrate with short pomp and pageantry and glitterazzi and even piperazzi? Ladies and gentlemen, the birthday of somebody dead for over 2,000 years. It's a meaningful hypocrisy. I could keep speaking about the reason why Christmas is no use or anything with Christ. Christmas does not center around what the celebrant stands for. The parties, the drunkenness, the excitement, the festivities and the feasts have become more important than the celebrant because the celebrant was never considered in any of this. There are churches that don't celebrate Christmas. They go for committing. The church downstairs is not there today. They say, what is the use? But still, within the very frame of believers' minds, is this euphoria for feasting and festivities outside Christ. What I was thinking is this. If Christmas would actually stand me for Christ, then it will be a sober reflection of the meaning of his birth, his death, his resurrection. Is he really Lord of the Christmas? I do not think so. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm looking through the Bible. Just, just play something gently. And I can't find any sin that tells us don't celebrate Christmas. Don't celebrate his birth. I'm not getting anything that says his birth is unimportant. But the apostles never did. 
what about birthdays I want to say something to you you should think about the reason we celebrate birthdays is because of um, it, 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 uh, there are many reasons we celebrate birthdays one of it is that life unfolds life unfolds for many of us life unfolds so birthdays depend sometimes some birthdays are explosive some are just low key sometimes birthdays are remarkably celebrated some are just petite sometimes at your birthday you are sad you haven't achieved much at other times you are excited you have achieved much it varies life unfolds some birthdays are best never to be remembered never to be some birthdays are best to be forgotten forever sometimes like Job did you even curse the day you were born you curse the day you were born because life unfolds but the reason why Christ it was not and never celebrated in the Bible and nobody ever said do this and miss the apostles and even Paul who came later is simple Christ's purpose of appearance was revealed before his birth the total purpose of his appearance was manifested before he was born and from the start to the finish he was divine he was divine there was nothing peculiarly striking physically about him so there's not much to be celebrated about his birth or remembrance of his birth the whole essence is a capture of his appearance the manifestation of God's will and love towards humanity that goes beyond earthly physical purpose it becomes impossible to remember to celebrate his birth because his purposive divine life beats all this down you can't be born again born of the spirit of christ and remember his birthdays do you know something and I'll tell you that is a special very special that days are so special that people settle scores at birthdays fight somebody you haven't spoken to in 20 years attends your birthday party and then you forgive your old girlfriend your, your ex-girlfriend that you left for like five years in search for other girls suddenly appears your birthday with a better look wow you remember those beautiful moments together and right there at your birthday with your fiance by your side or even your wife you just ah ah he alone but we are you corner to give her a kiss nobody tells very exciting bad days are so significant that people can do people get drunk and have accidents on their birthdays people make commitments they cannot stand with with Matthew 14 at Herod's birthday his daughter danced so well and the man said ask anything you will even to have of my kingdom and the mother of, and the girl watched the mother Herodias who was Philip's wife the brother of Herod Herodias said to the daughter ask for the head of John the Baptist in the charger and the lady came the king had said I will give you to half of my kingdom but here she comes and says I want the head of John the Baptist in a pledge and the king was 
sorry but he had made the oath before everyone he commanded that he be killed now strategically specifically the man made a promise he didn't make yesterday he will make tomorrow things you do on your birthdays you don't do all of the time the food you eat the things you take the things you say your dance steps and you see a 66 67 70 years old woman digging on the birthday she doesn't do it all of the time once in a while once in a while however you cannot think of Christ's birth as a once in a while thing the idea of Christ's celebration or in our lives is beyond the physical is beyond a moment it's beyond a day it's beyond a once for all seasonal remembrance it's a life because of Jesus supernaturality because of Jesus deity because of the revelation of his everlasting purpose because of whom he is to us we see a significant impact that goes beyond celebrating him once in a while. It's a life. Do you know when you are married, you are meant to be together as one? And do you know you always forget sometimes your spouse's birthday and it becomes a fight? Do you know when you are engaged to a girl or a boy, it's so strong and sometimes you forget the birthday? Do you know? Do you know people who are celebrants? sometimes forget their birthdays do you know i know somebody here who once got confused about her birthday she celebrated the birthday the day after the birthday was gone she got confused by her mother or by herself do you know however relationship with christ is so spiritual it's so life involving that your thought of him is an everlasting thing Jesus alters your life permanently. Jesus transforms your life. Jesus brings a record-breaking change to the past and the future. Jesus turns you around completely and makes you a new person altogether. Let us learn two things about Christ's transformation. And then I'll close. This is for real. At Second Corinthians chapter number five, it's about Jesus, not Christmas. It's about his superlative change. It's about a permanent encounter that beats some seasonal remembrance. It's about somebody who is willing to go all the way or do his best for you on his birthday. some time ago a sister told me I lost my virginity I said why I went and said it was my birthday and my boyfriend pressed me and said you must give me something your birthday and there was nothing I had to give precious gift of my virginity yes you can do something out of the world just because of the excitement of birthday but we're talking about Christ blessing our lives eternally beyond a daily celebration he has done all he can do. I said something at the very outset. I said, you are competing him. Imagine somebody giving you. Imagine somebody giving you all he has himself on a day. So, you won't need to celebrate his birthdays because he has given you all he has. Imagine somebody dying for you on a birthday. Imagine somebody changing your life on a birthday. The celebration will go beyond season. It becomes a lifelong, lifetime of thanksgiving, appreciation, or celebration. I want to close. Second Corinthians chapter number five and verse number four. For the love of Christ constraineth us because we thirst judge that if one died for all, then we are all dead. You died in Christ. I died in Christ. I lost myself in him. I lost my 
depression and individuality i lost my past i lost my life i lost my sins i lost my nature of depravity i lost the curses upon my life i loved I lost every evil will, every evil desire. The man that could be captured and brought low by human whims and caprices and devilish devices died in Christ. You died in Christ. I died in Christ. You died in Christ. I died in Christ. We died in Christ. Galatians 2 and verse 20. It is no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God for if righteousness cometh by the Lord, that Christ died in vain. He died in vain. This is what he did. And that he died for all and they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves but unto him who for them and rose again wherefore henceforth know we no more after the flesh though we have known Christ after the flesh yet him know we no more henceforth after the flesh therefore if any man be in Christ he is a new creature this person's best and ideal manifestation of where God sent him to this earth has brought a change in your life on a permanent basis all things are passed away behold all things have become new. All these things we are talking about, verse 18, is not of you, but of God. It's a change. A permanent change has altered your origin, has transformed your future. A change that goes beyond death about any birthday death is a terminus there are many friends you have lost whose birthdays you can't even remember and if you remember you never think about because death has sealed it up they were born they had to die this one was born he died and is alive again it's a different ball game altogether he has altered our past he has changed our future very remarkable and extraordinary I'm going to stay on this point Sunday or Wednesday and I would give you one more point in all of it after all is said and done with truth on your minds for thinking and with the scroll available for readability just one more thing left to close this service is to say to you Merry Christmas stand to your feet and lift your hands above your head and just thank him for the word today thank him for the word Make up your minds to do the word. To do the word. Lord, I will do it. Lord, I believe. Just play some strings. Just pick some strings. Do it. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Amen.